if we believe that another individual can't make a change in their behavior or their performance or their approach to the work, we simply are not in a place as a coach or as a leader to help them. If we hold that belief in our mind about that human, we're no good to them. The Leadership Gym. I'm Randy Hall. I'm an executive coach and leadership consultant, and this is the place where we work on our ability to lead our team, lead our business, and yes, lead ourselves. If you are looking to improve your capabilities as a leader, you are in the right spot, and I really appreciate you being here. This is only our fourth episode so far, and it's been an incredible pleasure to share these podcast episodes with you and keep what I think is a very important leadership conversation happening. I hope that if you like what we're talking about here on the podcast, that you'll subscribe and also give us a nice review if you have a moment. We're like a little new toddler walking around, figuring things out relative to podcasting, and and we could use the love and support if this is adding value. You record these things, and you get them ready, and you dress them up as best you can, and you send them out into the world, and you hope that they matter. You know that they do from the work that you've been doing with leaders, but you don't know sort of where they go or what happens to them or who listens to them or how they mattered in their world and their life. So knowing that they did matter matters a lot to us and we greatly appreciate it if you give us some feedback uh, give us a, a rating on on the wherever you listen to podcasts and hopefully subscribe so that these things will hit your inbox on a regular basis and be ready there for you when it's time for you to listen to a podcast at your convenience so thanks for that we're really excited about delivering and sharing and having what we think of as a conversation even though it's a one-way stream relative to podcasts but overall a bigger conversation about leadership that I don't know if the world is having in a lot of places today. And so we want to be part of that. And you helping us be part of that will matter for some leader somewhere down the road who goes into work or works with their team and starts to think about leadership differently, do it differently, and get a different set of results. And somewhere down the road, someone's going to be impacted that we'll never know about, I'll probably never know about, you may never know about, but it'll make a difference in somebody's world. And that's the reason leadership matters in the first place. So thanks for helping us with that. The more we talk about leadership as a, as a thing we practice and get involved in and get good at, the more we begin to kind of rescue it from being an art form or an intellectual pursuit or some kind of gene or gift that some people possess and others don't. We want to remove this, this concept that a lot of people have that, oh, if you're good at this, you can lead. Maybe if you're good at speaking in front of groups of people, you can lead. Or if you're good at motivating or inspiring others, or if you're good at articulating a vision, or if you're good at organizing other people's work, or if you're good at the job they're doing because you used to do it. All those things sometimes come into play when people think about what makes you a good leader. Maybe you have to have charisma or the gift of gab or something like that. And the truth is, you don't need any of those things. 
you don't need anything that you can't develop as a leader. And so we want to take it out of this concept of it's some sort of thing that people possess and, and turn it into just a set of tools and skills and practices and repetitions and approaches and mindsets that make you good at it and cause you to be able to impact others in some pretty remarkable ways. We built the Leadership Gym to help with exactly that. And we work out there every day. So stop by, check us out at leadershipgym.com if you haven't when you get a chance. And if you're listening to this as it's released, we are very, very close to opening our doors. It'll be less than two weeks now. And if you get on the wait list now, if you're listening to this live and you happen to not be on the wait list for the Leadership Gym when we open our doors, which will be, exclusive moment, which will be July 6th, then you will get a discount if you're on there. So if you're not on it, as I said, get there, hop on the wait list. Your gym membership will be discounted if you're on the wait list prior to opening. So take advantage of that. You get to work on your leadership skills for less. And this is the place where we hope you begin to start or continue your own journey to becoming the leader that you want to be, the one that you go home at the end of the day feeling great about, the one that you consistently get positive feedback on, the one that helps you get the promotion you want, lead the the bigger part of the organization that you want, maybe run your own business at a, at a level that lets you sleep better at night and do it with less stress because you've got a high-performing, fully engaged, fully accountable team doing the work with you. That's what good leadership can make happen, and that's what we work on every day there. So today on this episode, we're looking at one of the ways that great leaders think about people that helps them become successful. You heard me say that leadership is a set of skill sets and also a set of mindsets. Now we can also build these anytime we want. You can build whatever mindset you want. It takes a little practice, takes a little repetition, takes a little bit of, of sort of study and focus to decide on where you want to go with it. And then how do I get to that place where I start to think that way because I taught myself to and then I practiced that opportunity. I remember a coaching conversation with a manager several years ago and we were working through how they were going to have a conversation with a member of their team who wasn't performing well at all. And anyone who works in any kind of management role will find themselves having this kind of conversation at some point, sometimes far too often. And this manager was no exception. He was in the process as we were talking of pre-planning for that discussion. He was getting ready to have it. And often I take people through a pre-planning or pre-game process for any kind of a coaching conversation. And I help them plan and execute so that they're prepared to have real impact and move the conversation forward rather than just feeling like it's one that they have over and over and over. And lots of times that that's, is what you hear. I've had this conversation with this person over and over and over. Well, that has no value. So let's stop doing it and change the conversation. And as we were going through the preparation process, he said, I don't really think this person's ever going to change no matter what I say to them. Now, that's a very clear look into the mindset that this manager had and one that often we approach these kinds of difficult conversations with. I genuinely appreciated him sharing it that way because it let us do some great work together. When he revealed those thoughts and said, I really don't think this person can change, 
it let me know how to help him more effectively. So I loved that he said it. And the first thing I said was, tell me more about that. And he went on to say, well, it, this person doesn't seem to want to change. It was a he, and he said, he doesn't want to change. We've been having this conversation for a while now. Doesn't seem to be helping much. Again, we're getting into a repetitive cycle, not an impactful conversation. You can tell because you have to keep having it over and over, and we want to shift that. And so sometimes, sometimes we get into this mindset and we feel like it might just be time to move on. And this is not isolated or unusual at all. Despite what many people feel is an overwhelming amount of work associated with recruiting and interviewing and hiring and training and onboarding, sometimes it still feels easier to just move on from someone that is not performing well on our team. And sometimes, let's be clear, that's exactly what we need to do. There are times in our world when we just have to say, look, I don't know how we're going to get along here without you, but starting Monday, we're going to give that a shot. Please don't ever actually say that. I can. It's just a fun little quip, but I can feel people writing that down right now and going, man, I did get some value from this podcast. I got this really cool line to fire people with. And that's not what I, not what I want, even though it's a cute little quip. I, I can feel some of you pulling over to write it down. Uh, I just want to encourage you to chuckle and move on, despite the urge to say that to someone now and then. So despite the fact that we sometimes do need to move on, I had a few questions for the manager before I truly believed that was his next best course of action. And more importantly, I wanted to explore some things so that he got to decide with, with real introspection, with a real look at this situation, whether that was the right next set of steps for him. So the first question I asked him was, if you truly believed they could change and really wanted to change, and you genuinely cared about helping them figure that out, would you be willing to try? He replied that yes, if he believed they would change or believed they could change and that they were willing to change, he'd be willing to try. Okay, so the next question I asked was, if you truly believed that about this person and you wanted to help them, despite the fact that you've not been successful at helping them yet, what would be your first step? That was my next question to him. If you did believe they were ready to change and you were willing to try, what would be your first step? And there was a long pause at this point. He said, I guess I would talk with them about it and, and get their input on how we might figure it out. But he didn't come to that realization right away. It took a second to think about that. Sometimes we do have really good instincts around this kind of stuff, but our beliefs get in the way. Because that was great for him to say, I guess I'd talk with them, get their input on how we might figure it out. Great next step. We'll, we'll sort of frame that up in a second. But I asked them if you really, I asked him if you really believed they could make some changes and you really worked to help them figure that out and they chose not to do the work with you, well, then what would happen? Where would you be? He said, well, it would probably be time to move on. And then I asked him, how would you feel about the work that you'd done? And would you be better at the process for trying? And so the concept here was, okay, if I try at my best, 
believing that they might still be able to change, believing that I can help them, if I approach this problem at my best and think that way, and they decide not to, and I've done my best, and they simply make another choice, it's time to move on. But I'm still better as a leader because I got to practice that, because I got to have some different kinds of conversations with them, because I got to go through some repetitions about what I thought was the best way to handle a situation like this. And then I ask him, what would you have to lose by giving it your very best shot as your very best self at this kind of work with this person? And really, we have nothing there to lose but the time it takes us to have the conversation. That's it. That's all we've got. And we're going to have the conversation anyway. So we're either ready to fire them, but often we have lots of these conversations before we get to that place. We're going to spend the time anyway. Our question as a leader is not about will we spend the time. The question as a leader is about how we spend the time. So we talked a little bit more about the opportunity to practice this and also the amount of time hiring takes and how the actual spend of time, if you could help this person make some real progress on their performance, that that spend of time would be much less than bringing in a new person. Here's the key point that I want people to take away from this example as I've sort of wandered through it. If we believe that another individual can't make a change in their behavior or their performance or their approach to the work, we simply are not in a place as a coach or as a leader to help them. If we hold that belief in our mind about that human, we're no good to them at helping them move forward because we don't think they can. Nobody does their best work at helping anything happen if they don't believe it's possible. We don't do our best work at anything, even for ourselves, if we don't believe it's possible. Occasionally, I, I, I get people saying something like, yeah, but people don't really change and they're kind of hardwired already and I don't expect them to be very much different over time. And I watch people try to lead in a world where they literally believe those things to be true. My usual question at that point is, are you the same person you were five years ago? Look, even neuroscientists until the late 90s or so believed that almost every aspect of your personality and your behavior and your choices was genetically encoded and essentially predetermined. They believed that by the age of five, or roughly in that area, you were hardwired mentally, and your brain locked in all of your behaviors, and that's just how you were for the rest of your life. You sort of lived the rest of your life experiencing those things and, and maybe bringing those kinds of behaviors to life in certain situations, but they were already wired in. Work with stroke patients and others with brain injuries began to cause scientists to question that model. They could find patients that, with the right therapies, were able to repurpose whole sections of their brain. Parts of the brain that were previously used for hand function, for example, could be recruited, could be changed to, to help with the ability to walk more steadily. Scientists could stimulate through certain activities, the ability to reprogram the brain to do things it had never done that way before. And in this learning, a new era of neuroscience emerged around something called brain plasticity. 
We've now developed technologies such as functional magnetic resonance imaging, or fMRI, that essentially lets us watch people think. We can actually see new neural pathways being built, new areas of the brain sort of lighting up as people work. We can determine which areas of the brain are active during certain kinds of thinking, certain kinds of responses, certain kinds of emotional situations but only in the case of a new stimulus or outside cause that changes how we think or work, do new growths, new neural pathways, new changes happen in the brain. Let me say that again. Only when outside stimuluses affect us as people do we build new mental maps or change the structure of our brain so that we can think or consider new opportunities or possibilities differently. That's our job as a leader. We now know that if we can cause people around us to think in a new way, ponder a new concept, consider a new approach, or reflect on a new way of behaving, they can build a neural pathway in their brain that will allow them to begin to develop the ability to execute that new set of behaviors. It's not automatic. And if you've ever had a conversation with someone that they really did find meaningful, but you didn't see any change of behavior for a day or two, and then you started to see them try some new things, that's this process in action. They've got to build a new map. They've got to figure it out. They've got to explore it. They've got to begin to practice it or think about it differently. They've got to begin to integrate it into all the other things that they know. Here's what we know. Outside of evolutionary elements of our behavior, such as fight or flight response when we're scared or the need to find fairness in our world and lots of others that are evolutionarily built into us. And I'll cover those in other episodes of this podcast. We'll also talk about them in the Leadership Gym. But outside of those, we can change virtually any component of our behavior. We could have a completely different way of thinking and acting in a very short period of time if we worked on it diligently and in the right way. Most of us will never do that, but we could. The outside stimulus thing is necessary for this, and I don't mean the outside stimulus that causes us to react like fear or worry. I mean the outside stimulus that causes us to think like a conversation with a well-practiced coach. We'll cover all of this in great detail and, more importantly, deal with the real-world implications of human behavior change for us as leaders. But what I want you to know is that people can change if they want to. And if you help them figure out how they want to and then support them as they do, you will be a catalyst for that kind of change. I say this because if we're going to coach anyone, we have to believe that they are coachable. Or we simply don't even approach it with the right mindset, and that means we don't do it very well. If I'm genuinely going to help a person on my team perform at a higher level, then yes, there are proven techniques that I will use and, and a process that I can go through as a coach, and I'll cover that here. But my effectiveness at helping them starts with my belief that they can make that shift. And then it means that I show up in a way that is prepared, ready, organized, and focused so that I can help them with that process. Sometimes they choose not to, despite our best efforts. That's okay. 
That's a choice they made. It's not a great one, maybe, depending on where they are and where they want to be in life, but it is their choice. And sometimes we have to help them find a place where they're more comfortable and happier. And maybe that's outside of our team or even outside of our organization. But if we can get our mindset in the right place and then execute the tools properly, we do two things. We give them their best shot and we get some practice in and helping people improve. The process is the same, whether we are helping a good performer become great or a poor performer become better. And the practice we get is essential if we want to become the kind of person that can have incredible impact on others. I worked with a leader once who told me a story of a team member who he called into his office to fire. He had decided he was going to fire her, but he decided in that moment instead to invest in her. A few years later, she'd been promoted twice and was running a division in the company and was thought of as one of the best leaders in the organization. That's not the only time I've heard that kind of story. And what is abundantly clear is that people who are struggling in the presence of a great leader still have a shot at real improvement. People who are struggling in the presence of someone who does not believe they can improve have no shot. Our job is not to make their choice for them. Our job is to be the kind of leader who gives them that shot, doing our best to help them, even if it's easier to just start over, can help us become exactly that kind of leader. Go make a difference, and I'll see you next week. 